Welcome to Life Church of Mobile's audio podcast. We hope that this teaching will challenge you in any season of life you may be in. Thanks for joining us and enjoy. Well, I think some, some children started school this past week in public school. Is that correct? Some of you, and I think faith is starting tomorrow. So if you are a teacher, an administrator, uh, I'm going to pray for the parents too. If you're a parent with little kids or children, or if you are a student, if you'll just stand, please. If you are a teacher, or administrator, or worker in a school, if you are a parent, Lord, those parents need prayer. My wife is in Colorado right now because her great-grandmother turned 100. She's been gone since Wednesday. I'm preaching today, and school starts tomorrow. So you pray for me, getting three kids ready this morning. That's what I'm saying. We're praying for the parents, too. All right, the rest of you, just put your hands out to all these right here. Let's pray for them. Lord, we pray for all of these administrators, these teachers, these leaders. We pray for these parents. Lord, I just pray, and we pray for these students, Lord. We pray that they have a phenomenal year. We speak the blessings over them of Christ. We speak the, the joy of the Lord. We pray that these young people are excited about school, Lord, that they're going to learn, they're going to grow, and that all of these teachers, Lord, administrators, that you give them an opportunity to minister the life-giving word of Jesus Christ. In your name we pray. Everybody said, Amen, Amen, Amen. Well... I have a sermon this morning, and I tell you, I'm, I've been nervous about this one. I really have. Um, and I think that's good, because it's been birthed out of my own uh, spiritual, we'll say, bondage in some way. My own spiritual uh, path. I grew up, some of you know this, some of you know, I grew up um, holiness. And I tell you, if you look on the walls, it says, Great Grace. And we've heard that a lot in here. And, and I tell you, I want to thank Pastor Scotty uh, for the opportunity to minister to you today. I, I, I am honored to be under him and, and under his ministry. And, and I really feel like the Lord has, has been giving him a timely message, the message of grace. Growing up, I thought grace was just simply a definition. You know, the unmerited favor of God to a completely undeserving person. Or grace was just simply God's riches at Christ's expense. But grace is a whole lot more than that. The grace of Christ, the new covenant... Uh, living under that. And honestly, as I've been learning and as I've been growing in the Lord, I've realized that I had some faulty teachings myself. That I may knew the Word and I've been trained in the Word, but there were things that I was living out in my life that personally I was putting myself in bondage. You know, I, I would sometimes pray this prayer. I would pray, Lord, help me to help myself. Do so and so. That was one of my favorite prayers. Lord, help me to help myself. Because I was kind of brought up, you, you pick yourself up in your bootstraps and you do it yourself. Amen. But the scriptures teach us to trust God. The, te- the scriptures teach us to cast all your cares upon Him for He cares for you. The, te- the scriptures teach us that He will work through us. He will make it happen. He will open the door. He will guide us. He will direct us. We are to trust Him and He will bring us where we want to be. But how many times do we try and make it happen ourselves? And so that's what today's message is on. I don't know what you're going to title it. You make the title up as we get to the end, okay? As to whatever the Lord speaks into your hearts. On the screens, I want to show you a picture of a gentleman. His name is Terry. and is actually the older man. That's a picture of him as he grew up. The older man in the corner. This is a picture of him when he's around 40 years old. This was my mentor when I was 22 years old or 21 years old. And he was one of, I have some phenomenal mentors in my life. I have Brother Dick. I have Brother Scotty in my life now. And when I was younger, it was this man, Terry. Terry was a phenomenal minister of the gospel. 
when I mentored under him, he, he ministered to around, and this is a church smaller than ours, he ministered to around 300 children every Sunday. He had over 250 young people in his youth group, and he was one of the most phenomenal, dynamic youth pastors. He was 40 years old. Uh, he drove a Jeep. He was a surfer. He would go out when, when a hurricane came. It was him and his brother who had a beard like in the front right here on his chin that would go down near halfway his chest. Him and his brother, the only two guys out there, they'd jump off the end of the pier and surf when the hurricane was coming. Okay? That was Terry. All right? You know, I called him the Steven Seagal of youth pastors. I don't know if you get that or not. He kind of reminded me of Steven Seagal, just his nature. But God just worked in him a phenomenal way where he was able to reach kids nobody else could reach. Um, he died at age 42, my age. He died. He, had, he, was, he was actually playing basketball with young people. And he died of a massive heart attack. He was so respected in this small town, town of maybe 30,000, 40,000 people, that over, over almost 3,000 people came to his funeral. So many people loved him and respected him that they actually would not tell anybody where his grave was marked because they didn't want kids going there and whatever. That tells you the influence that he had. But I'm going to tell you this. We are all sinners saved by grace. Now, when I tell you that, you have utmost respect for him. You think of the great respect that he's had. But did you know that when he, when he was in his 20s, that he committed one of the worst sins you could commit? That in his 20s, that he did the David sin, he cheated on his wife as a minister, and he repented? And he knew what he did wrong, and he, and he stepped away from the ministry. For ten years, he stepped away from the ministry. You know, he told me, and actually the pastor who hired me to help, well, actually mentor under Terry, talked to me about it, and he said, you know, Terry, just the way he was treated when he sinned, that he was like, a, he had the plague. It was like he had the plague, and so he just stepped away from ministry and decided that he was never going to do ministry again. He got into the business world because he knew he'd messed up. He dedicated that time because he messed up to his family, to his wife, and to God, and to Christ. And it was in the midst of that dedication to Christ and that, that he did not pursue ministry that he only sought the Lord. And then the gentleman who hired him, uh, the pastor who was a senior pastor of that church, told me, and Terry didn't tell me this, he told me this, Maurice. Maurice told me, he said, you know... Terry didn't think he'd ever do ministry again because of his sin. But about 10 years into it, he said, I felt the Lord leading me to go ask him to be our youth pastor. You know, now a guy in his young 30s to be a youth pastor. And he said, I went to him. He had been very successful. He was making lots of money in the business world. And Terry and his wife prayed about it, and he accepted it. Now, a lot of us are thinking, in your mind, you're thinking all these things. Well, that's not right. I don't know if that should happen. Blah, 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 blah. But here's the deal. Remember what I first told you. Look at the influence that he had and the commitment after God brought him back. God brought him back into ministry. God brought him back into influence. God, what was one of those sermons I preached? It was the giftings of, and the callings of God can never be withdrawn. Remember that sermon? And what I'm telling you is, is that he didn't, he knew that he had messed up. And he didn't trust that he could make himself. There was no way in himself that he could get back to ministry. But guess who brought him back? How many of us have sinned? How many of us have sinned? And how many of us has God brought us back? How many of us have we trusted and said, God, did God bring David back? 
Who do we talk about? One of the most in the Scriptures we talk about was David. And God brought him back. In no way am I honoring sin, but I'm honoring the God who can work through us despite and after our sin. Our God loves us. No matter what sin that you've committed, no matter sin that you've had in your life, let me tell you today, God loves you, God knows you, there's a calling on your life, there's a purpose on your life, and He will bring you back, but you've got to trust Him. And we're going to talk about what it means trusting Him today and how you trust Him. In 1 Peter 5.10 it says, and this is the New Living Translation, in His kindness, it's up on the screens, in His kindness God called you to share in His eternal glory by means of Christ Jesus. So after you have suffered a little while, everybody say, He. Who? Who is He? Jesus, God. He will restore you. He will support you. He will strengthen you. And He will place you on a firm foundation. How many times do we try and replace that with I? I will restore myself. I will support myself. I will strengthen myself. And I will place myself on a firm foundation. Now, I'm not against hard work, but we have to put our trust and our hope in Jesus Christ. I want you to turn your Bibles, and if you don't mind, I'm going to have you turn in your Bibles today. Is that okay? All right, I want you to turn in your Bibles, or you can turn on your, um, your iPhone to John chapter 15, verse 1. John chapter 15, verse 1. Uh, I'm going to be reading out of the NIV if you're on your electronic version. John chapter 15, verse 1. I've got to hand it to my wife. My wife, is, Lindsay, has really helped me as we've been studying together the, the New Covenant Grace message and how I'm... ...to apply that to my life. And, and some of the things that I've worked through to realize that it's not about me. It's not about what I can do, but it's about Him. It's about Jesus. In this it says, Jesus is talking and Jesus says, I am the true vine. And my Father is the gardener. Who is the gardener? The Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch that doesn't produce fruit. And He prunes the branches that do not bear fruit, so they will produce even more. You have already been pruned for greater fruitfulness by the message I have given you. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine, and you cannot be fruitful apart from me. Yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. First of all in that verse, I want want to show you this picture here. This picture of a gardener. In this verse... It tells us that God is the gardener. Now this is simplistic, but I think sometimes we've missed it. God is the gardener, but how many of us think that we are the gardener in our lives? Who is supposed to be the one to prune? Who is the one that's supposed to prune so that there is greater fruitfulness? How many of you guys have ever owned a tomato plant? And I'm going to pull up this next, this next slide of a tomato plant. This verse, now first of all, keep this in mind. It says that Jesus is the true vine. See that stalk on the left? Jesus is the stalk on the left and that we are simply the what? We're the branch. What is the responsibility of a branch? 
What is the responsibility of a branch? Does a branch water itself? Does a branch prune the vine? What is the responsibility of the branch? To only stay connected to the true vine. Your job is to stay connected and to trust and to put faithfulness in the true vine. That is your only responsibility. How many times do we try and be the pruner? How many times do we try and be the gardener? How many times do we try and be the person to make everything work right when our only responsibility is to stay connected to the true vine? Let me add another list of that. You guys ever heard of a sucker? A sucker in between that, that little stalk on the, see the main stalk on the left and then the branch. See, right in between that, sometimes right in between that V, there grows another little stalk. It's called a sucker or a sucker. And what you're supposed to do on a tomato plant, you're supposed to go and pull that little sucker out because what will happen, that sucker will then create another branch and it will take stuff out of the nutrients, out of your ability to produce fruit. How many suckers do you have in your life? How many suckers are in your life? You need to say, God, get rid of the sucker in my life. Actually, let's say this. Say, God, get rid of the sucker in my life. Let's say that again. God, get rid of the sucker in my life. Now, listen to what you said. You said, God, get rid of the sucker. You didn't say, I'm supposed to get rid of the sucker. How many times do we try and get rid of the sucker in our lives when only we're supposed to do is stay connected to the branch? To stay connected through prayer, to stay connected through the Word, stay connected through speaking the Word, stay connected through worship. That is our responsibility, and He will take care of the suckers in your life. I am learning through this that I can't do it myself. I've got to trust Him, Mr. Skelton. And if I trust Him, He'll take care of everything. There was a person that prophesied over my life when I was younger. And, and, and the prophecy, what he said was, you don't trust me. He was saying, you don't trust God. And I was like, I trust God. But I'm learning as I'm growing older, do I trust Him in everything? Do I stay connected and know that God has my back and God is working out something that you can't even imagine? First, actually, 2 Timothy 1.9 says this. Who God who has saved us, Jesus who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, not according to our abilities, not according to us getting rid of the suckers, but according to His own purpose and grace, which was given through Christ Jesus before the world began. We only have to do is trust Him. I want you to watch this short two-minute video. Tree. We're not sure what type, maybe an oak or something, but this limb has been grafted into this root. 
And just to let us know the joy that we have as Gentiles that we've been grafted in to the blessings of Christ. That we've been grafted in to the things that Christ is able to do through us through the Holy Spirit throughout this planet. But for all of us, Jews and Gentiles, we've been put together on this planet to reach others for the gospel of Christ. It's so wonderful to be here today and to just see through to a tree what God is doing in our lives today. Amen. Now, I've talked about this before, but I, I want to draw out some things. As you see in this tree in the Garden of Gethsemane, this olive tree, this is actually the branch that's been grafted in. It's a type of oak that's been grafted in to uh, an olive, old olive tree, you know, it's over uh, 2,000 years old. Now, if you also look toward the end, you may can't see it, but this oak is also producing olives, just like the rest of the tree. Okay. Now, Miss Sister Su- Miss Susan Howard, she made a comment one time when I preached about this, and I want to hone in on that. She made the comment. She said, "If you'll look at this branch, this branch still looks like an oak." You know, when you stay connected to the true vine, to the true root, you don't lose your distinctiveness. Amen. You don't lose your ability to be you. That's right. God operates through your distinctiveness, through your personality, through your abilities, through who you are. You don't have to be somebody you're not. You can be you, and God can use you because you can reach people that nobody else can reach. You can touch the lives of people through your personality in a way that nobody else can. One of the things we're going to talk about today is spiritual mass. Putting on masks, and maybe we don't realize we have a mask. Sometimes we have to realize we need to take the mask off. But you can be you, and God can use you just the way you are. You know, Andrew Gardner and I, we, we both do ministry. We are very different. We minister very differently. And I remember we were in Israel, a few, not this past year, but two years ago, Again, we're very distinctive, very different in our presentation. But I tell you this, we love the same God and we operate through the same Holy Spirit. And through that, I remember we both were supposed to speak one night. Both of us were going to speak. We didn't talk to each other about what the other one was going, going to speak on. And right before, literally 30 seconds before we went up there to preach, he looked me back and he said, what are you preaching on? What, what verse? And I said, 2 Samuel 9, 5. And his eyes got this big. Guess what verse he was preaching from? The exact same one. The same Holy Spirit operates through all of us, but He's going to utilize your distinctiveness to reach people in the kingdom that nobody else can. I thank Brother Scotty for this message of grace because if there ever was a time that we should be bringing in unchurched people into this house, it's right now. They need to hear this message. And guess guess who brings in unchurched people? Guess who brings in unchurched people? Uh, well, we pay the, our tithes and offerings, so I think the staff should be responsible for bringing in the unchurched people. I'll try, you know, but guess what? He operates through you just like he operates through me. Look, I am nobody special. I'm not. I'm just like you. I have the same problems. I have the same issues. I'm just like anybody else. The same Holy Spirit works through all of us and loves and uses each of us. In 2 Corinthians 4, 1 through 2, it says this, 2 Corinthians 4, 1 through 2. Since God has so generously led us in on what He is doing, 
We're not about to throw up our hands and walk off the job just because we run into occasional hard times. We refuse to wear, this is from the message version, we refuse to wear masks and play games. We refuse to wear masks and play games. Sometimes there are people that are hurting that are wearing a mask in our house. Sometimes there are people that are prideful that are wearing masks. And I'm not, look, this is the most awesome house I've ever been in. But I'm saying this to myself, if anything, and if it speaks to you, it speaks to you. If it doesn't, it doesn't. If you're turning your Bibles to Luke chapter 18, again, telling you to turn to Luke chapter 18, verse 13. Luke chapter 18, verse 13, and I'm going to explain this further. Actually, we're going to start in verse 9. Luke chapter 18, verse 9. Then Jesus told this story to some who had great self-confidence and scorned everyone else. Two men went to the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee and the other was a dishonest tax collector. The proud Pharisee stood by himself and prayed this prayer. I thank you, God, that I am not a sinner like everyone else, especially like that tax collector over there. Tax collectors, publicans were scorned because... Uh, They were to collect money for the Roman Empire, and they oftentimes would charge greater amounts so that they could line their pockets. Everybody hated them. The Pharisee says, for I never cheat, I don't sin, I don't commit adultery. I fast twice a week, and I give you a tenth of my income. But the tax collector stood at a distance and dared not even lift his eyes to heaven as he prayed. Instead, he beat his chest in sorrow, saying, O God, be merciful to me, For I am a sinner. I tell you, this sinner, not the Pharisee, return home justified before God. For the proud will be humbled, but the humble will be honored. I remember when I sat across from my mentor, Terry, the one I talked about at the very beginning, the first thing he did in this very strong but humble way, we sat down at this restaurant there at the water, the beach, and he looked across at me and he said, let me tell you something, Robbie. And I knew this was birthed out of his heart and out of the hurt that he had gone through and the mistakes that he had made. He said, you're a real person. Ministering to real people. Forget your title. Forget your education. Forget all that mess. You're a real person. Ministering to real people. Doesn't matter where you are. Doesn't matter what church you go to. Doesn't matter your title. You're a real person. Ministering to real people. And the older I've gotten the more that has resonated in my heart and mind that God uses me just the way I am. Just as I am without one plea. He uses me just the way I am. The Bible tells us in James 5.16, it says us to confess our faults one to another and to pray for one another. Confess our faults one to another and pray for one another. Oftentimes the reason we don't confess our faults one to another and pray for one another are the masks that we have put on. And this is a scriptural thing. I'm not trying to make you feel bad. I'm saying this in love. To find that person that you're accountable for, find a mentor, find someone that you can confess your faults to and your issues with one another so that you can grow in Christ. And I say this with love. I'm not saying this about the house, but this next one. How many of us have possibly, and I'm not saying you have, how many of us have possibly changed that verse to say this? Hide your sins from one another and talk about one another. I'm not saying anybody in this house has ever done that. But how many times, rather than confessing your faults to one another and praying for one another, do we hide our sins and then talk? 
The Bible tells us to confess and to pray. I'll leave that, but I just felt like I needed to say that. And, and a part of that is being honest and transparent. Let me show you a picture, and I'm going to be transparent about me for a minute. Let me show you a funny picture. This picture right here. Now, if you'll look at this picture, this is me with a nasty shirt on, a sweat and grass, and a hat on, and I am laying in the shade in the 100-degree weather just laying on the grass. And right behind me is a weed eater that you can't see that I have thrown in the yard. At this point, this was my wife put in the backyard, me laying down, and she took a picture and posted it on Facebook because she thought it was the funniest thing on the planet. Now, the background of this was that I had my weed eater and I had changed the, I had like the, uh, the spool thing with the little string, and it irritated me having to change the string out over time. So how many of you guys know what I'm talking about, men in the house? So I said, oh, I'm going to be smart and I'm going to change it to one of those uh, little yellow automatic plastic things you put on the bottom and I don't have to change the spool out. I'm going to put that on there. So I changed it out. I changed it. I thought it would be easier. And so for some reason, my cheap little weed eater didn't do too well with that. Every time I would hit the concrete, it cut off. And literally in the 100 degree weather, my weed eater probably cut off literally 60 times. And by this time I was in the backyard on my fence. It cut off for the 61st time. And I'll tell you, I'm a Christian, but I threw that weed eater as hard as I could lost my cool, and honestly, I just, I, I don't think I said a cuss word. I hope I didn't. I just, I just laid, I laid in the shade, and, just, and honestly, I laid there thinking, I'm the biggest idiot on the planet. Lord, help me to calm down. I can't even weed eat right now. I am so mad about this weed eater. How many of you been there before? Okay. And look, let me tell you, I'll be transparent with you. A lot of times, I don't lay down and pray. Like I should. You know, the Bible tells us to be slow to speak, quick to listen, slow to become angry. I have to say that to myself over and over and over again. We all have problems. We all have issues. But it's through that connection with Christ that we can get through the pain and sufferings in our lives. We all have things we go through. If you'll turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 20. Do you know that there was pride issues even among Jesus' disciples? Oh. That's blasphemy, Robbie. Well, let's look in the Bible. Theirs was pride issues even amongst Jesus' disciples. And when Je- Can you imagine having pride issues around Jesus? Turn to Matthew chapter 20 and I'll show you one. Matthew chapter 20, verse 20. Matthew chapter 20, verse 20. Matthew chapter 20, verse 20. Then the mother of James and John. Now these are the sons of thunder. Now this is James who will one day be the pastor of the church in Jerusalem. And John the beloved who spread the gospel everywhere, right? Everybody knows James and John. Pretty popular fellows, right? Right. Then the mother of James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to Jesus with her sons. She knelt respectfully before Jesus. What is your request, Jesus said. She replied, in your kingdom, Jesus... Will you let my two sons sit in places of honor next to you, one at your right and the other at your left? Now, James and John are standing there. Did they tell their mama to hush? Did they tell their mama to not say that? They didn't say a word. But Jesus told them, told the boys, you don't know what you are asking. 
Are you able to drink from the bitter cup of sorrow I'm about to drink? And the two boys, James and John, the two men, they said, oh yeah, absolutely. We are able. We can, we can drink just like you, Jesus. We can deal with things just like you. Now, is that pride? You will indeed drink from it, he told them, but I have no right to say who will sit on the thrones next to mine. My Father has prepared those places for the ones he has chosen. When the ten other disciples heard what James and John had asked, they were indignant. What does indignant mean? They were furious. They were so furious, they probably about got in each other's face. You guys ever watched uh, Delius Catch? When those, when those guys out there catching that catch get mad at each other? And what's the next thing Jesus had to do? But Jesus had to call them together for a meeting. Because they're about in each other's face because of the pride issue of James and John. Did you know that? Jesus dealt with that amongst His own disciples. You know that in this world, kings and tyrants and officials lorded over the people beneath them. But among you, it should be quite different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must become your slave. For even I, the Son of Man, came here not to be served, but to serve others, and to give my life as a ransom for many. As we see this, did they understand the big picture? How many times in our lives do we try and make things happen ourselves through our own pride because we can't see the big picture? Does God see the big picture? You know, God answers our prayers. He's always sometimes at the very last minute, but He's always right on time. And sometimes an answer to prayer is where He doesn't answer it like we think He should answer it. Sometimes it's quiet because He sees the big picture. The bottom line is trust Him. Trust Him because He sees the big picture and we do not. Also, to be first, you must be a servant. And that's a hard thing for a lot of us. But to be first, you must serve. It goes contrary to this world but to be first, you must first serve. And he also alludes to the grace that Jesus has paid the ransom for us. Going back to the point of the Pharisees, when the Pharisees, the two men, went up to the temple to pray, one was a Pharisee, and the Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I'm not like the other people, robbers, evildoers, and adulterers. That even today, we have people that are trying to make things happen. I'll show you this next slide of the, uh, this is actually Orthodox Jews uh, by the Temple Mount in, in Israel. Uh, many of the Orthodox Jews in Israel, some of them work, some of them do not. Some of them get uh, money, almost kind of like welfare from the government because they say they can't work because they're pacifists. So they just come out every day and they just sit by this wall and they pray and then they try and get money off of the tourists who come by. Not all of them are that way. Some of them are not, but some of them are like this. They are working in their own effort to try and find salvation. Sometimes they'll stay there all day praying in an effort to hopefully they'll go to heaven. They'll wear the black hats. They'll wear the black outfits. They'll, they'll pray three times a day. They'll have the little box on their head. They'll do all these things in order to try and get their way to heaven, trying to work their way to heaven and try and make their way to heaven. But it's not through our own efforts, is it? It's through Jesus Christ and staying connected to the vine. Only He can get rid of the suckers in our life. We're the ones that stay connected to Him. And I want to show you this next one. And Brother Scotty has mentioned this, as this is very powerful. One day, those same men that you saw there will probably be a part of, and if you know what's going on in Israel right now, the Scriptures do tell us that one day the temple will be rebuilt, right? The temple will be rebuilt. 
in Israel. And I tell you what, if there ever was a sign of the end times, it would be what? The building of the temple. That temple will be rebuilt, and when that temple was rebuilt, we will see the sacrificial system reinstated in the temple in Jerusalem. And what will happen is you see this picture of these men. They will stand up, and they will be cutting animals. They will be sacrificing animals. They will be doing all kinds of things all day long, and it will never stop. And one of the things that Brother Scotty asked, and we were in the Temple Institute, he asked, do they ever sit down? Will they ever sit down? In the temple area. And she says, no. There are no chairs. The priests, the Levites, are never allowed to sit down. Because the work is never done. This was an Orthodox Jewish girl. She says, they are never, will never be allowed to sit down. Because the work is never done. But we know, we've read the rest of the story. Because of Jesus Christ, because of what He did on the cross, what did He do? He sat down. The work has been done. And, and I want to hone in on this picture right here. And if there's anything you get, I want you to get this picture. That we are connected to the main vine. The only responsibility we have is to stay connected to that vine. And I want you to know this. Jesus Christ has sat down. He has finished the work. You don't have to do sacrifices and all this work anymore. Jesus has sat down. Oftentimes we think Him sitting down in the throne in heaven. And he, sat, and he has sat down in the throne in heaven. But because He is all places at all times with the Holy Spirit, He now sits down right beside you. That His work is done. All you have to do is stay connected to Him. All you have to do is communicate with Him. All you have to do is embrace Him every day. And He will take care of the suckers in your life. He will take care of the problems in your life. He will take care of all the issues in your life and He will get you to that place that you have in your life that you want to be because He sits down right beside you. Please put this in your heart and mind that it's not in what you can do. It's about what He does through you as you stay connected to Him. You don't have to pretend you're perfect and you have it all together. Because of the grace, the grace, the grace, the grace of Jesus who sits right beside you every day. And the work is done. You don't have to be perfect. You just have to trust Him. I want you to stand with me. I'm going to ask Matthew to come up. And I've asked him to, to play this worship song. And as in closing today, what I'm going to ask is, in this worship song, in the words of it, it says, where sin runs deep, your grace runs deeper. And I'm going to do a, a, an altar call to everyone because I think all of us have dealt with this where we try and do things ourselves. That this message is very simplistic today and, and I wasn't trying to be overcomplicated, but I was just trying to be simplistic with you that all of us need to be reminded it's not in what I can do. My only job is to be that branch and is to stay connected to the true vine. That's my only job. And if today you want to say, Lord, I'm tired of trying to make it all happen myself. I want to just stay connected to you and trust you. If that's you and that's me, I want you to come on to the front and we're going we're gonna to do this worship song together. If that's you, I think it would be a lot of us here that you just want to stay connected. You want, you want to stay connected to that true vine. 
You want to stop trying to make it happen yourself. And this will just kind of be a prayer and also a worship song to the Lord. Where sin runs deep, His grace runs deeper. And I'm just going to ask you, as in your heart, as you're here and as you're a part of this worship song, and even as you're out in your seats, um, to join us in this worship song. And also, in the midst of that worship, I want you to pray and you to ask the Lord to give you the wisdom and the strength to just stay connected to Him. And to have the strength to not try and do it in yourself. To have the wisdom to be reminded it's not in what I can do. It's what He is doing through me. All right, Matthew. And on that cross of Calvary Every burden has been defeated And every wretched heart redeemed You drown our sin in seas of crimson And on that cross of Calvary Every burden has been defeated And every wretched Heart redeemed, you drown our sin in seas of crimson, and every wretched heart redeemed, you drown our sin in seas of crimson. Hallelujah, death is beaten, Christ has risen from the grave. Hallelujah, it is finished all to you, the highest praise, mm, the highest praise. Where there was sin, your love rushed in, where sin runs deep. Your grace. Thanks again for listening to Life Church of Mobile's podcast. Our services are held on Sundays at 8.30 and 10.30 a.m. If you would like to find out more about our church, you can visit us at lifechurchmobile.com.